0: The woman you will meet today is incredible in so many ways, which you will learn about. And she also holds a special place in this podcast. You will learn what that is coming up next. Yes, you are here. Bienvenida to the Her Dinero Matters podcast, a mixed language podcast hosted by me, Jen Hemphill to help you become the reign of your money and love your dinero more. If you are needing some inspiration and encouragement at this very moment, you have come to the right place. Gracias por compartir este tiempo conmigo. Now let's jump in to today's dose of money confidence. Hola, hola Reina, this is Jen Hemphill, your host. I'm so thrilled that you are here with us today. I have yet another phenomenal mujer and someone who has become very special to this podcast. I will tell you why in a moment. Before we dive in, though, I wanted to remind you that next week on March 18th, especially if you're listening to this as this episode is released, Financially Strong Latina, my virtual event series, begins. And it is free to the public thanks to the support of AARP, who is our exclusive sponsor. You can learn more and grab your spot at financial financiallystronglatina.com. And don't forget to invite una amiga o dos o tres. Now, let me share with you a little bit about Marielle Silvet. She is a branding and marketing strategist who works with professionals and executives to redefine their personal branding and business objectives to land their most ideal clients and opportunities. After being a successful executive recruiter and marketing supervisor, she has been coaching, empowering, and mentoring professionals for over a decade with their branding and marketing decisions. She is currently the host and producer of Pod Queens Latinas, a Spanish podcast about podcasting targeted towards women, which launched in 2019. She has been podcasting since 2015, hosted and produced two other shows before Pod Queens Latinas. In today's episode, you're going to learn her money story and the lessons she learned along the way, as well as the path her career journey took and how it led to entrepreneurship. And a behind-the-scenes look at the continued impact Hurricane Maria has had, as well as the financial implications from Hurricane Maria, and how Marielle and others have navigated through this. Oh, and why is she special to us here at Her Dinero Matters? Well, she is our podcast editor slash producer, and is the one who makes me and my guests sound good. Lista, vamos a conocer this reina of her money. Bienvenida, Marielle. I'm so happy and thrilled you are here joining me from Puerto Rico, the sunny Puerto Rico.
1: Thank you and congratulations on your five-year anniversary. I'm so thrilled to be here too. (laughs) Thank you. Thank you so much. Well, I'm excited to get to know
0: you, and I have met you in a podcasting conference called She Podcast. Mm-hmm. and more recently, you were so gracious and gathered some other podcasters and women, and we have a mastermind group, so I've gotten to know you a little bit from there, which I've just been impressed by the type of person you are, who you are. And so I'm excited to do this because I want to get to know you better and your money story. So let's start with that. Take us back in time, maybe when you were a little girl or maybe as an adolescent, a teenager. And what did you hear? What were some things that you heard or maybe saw or maybe your parents or family members talked to you about when it came to money?
1: Hmm, that's interesting. Well, my mom was a homemaker, Ama de Casa. And so she stayed home all the time taking care of us. And it was my father who always put food on the table for us. He used to work long hours and he made good money. But my mom, I think she always had like these money stories, like money doesn't grow on trees or whenever I wanted something, she was like, do you think you are a Nazi's (laughs) daughter? the rich man sometimes i was frustrated that i didn't get to have like the things that i wanted as a child or an adolescent like if i wanted something from a popular brand like no 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 you're going to get this it's the same but it's cheaper <laughs> so that was kind of the environment that i grew up that probably what i learned was that money was hard to get that you have to work hard And I don't know, I wasn't very clear about the whole money situation. How did it work until I started working on my own when I was very young? I was a senior in high school, so I got my first part-time job and I started making money for myself and saving money and getting for myself all the things that I couldn't have as a child when I was dependent on my parents. Got it.
0: So basically the observations or what you heard boiled down to money didn't grow on trees or money was hard to get or obtain. So there were conversations, but in that sense, you, you should just buy a, a lesser brand or, or a more of a generic brand that doesn't cost a lot of money because it doesn't grow on trees. Were there any other discussions that you recall? Because you also mentioned you didn't know how it worked and you didn't have an awareness. And you started getting that awareness when you started working as a Mm -hmm. senior in high school. Where do you have any other
1: memories? I do. I remembered at what point in time my dad started a business. And at the very beginning, I remember my parents using the word sacrifices a lot (laughs) like we needed to make sacrifices making sure we didn't go over budget because he was just starting and we didn't know where this was going to go but he was a successful salesman and again it's not like we were poor we were like middle class and and I remember that at one moment my dad started being successful in his business and he got a better car. And, and I remember he wasn't a very organized person. I mean, he's not an organized person and he had a lot of checks from the business in the back of the car. And one time my mom was using his car to pick us up at the school. And we also picked up a friend of mine and we took him to his house And he picked up all those checks from the floor and he started looking at them and it was like a $5,000 check, a $20,000 check, a 40000 something like that. And he was like, oh my God, your parents are rich. (laughs) 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 What is this? All these checks and these amounts, I mean, like it's nothing and they're just laying on the floor. (laughs) They haven't even been deposited. (laughs) And they were payments. I mean, it it was business. Right. I was like, no, we're not rich. But anyways, I remember that funny story from all the time. But I mean, I did get sometimes like they would treat us with something we really, really wanted. But it was like an exception and not the usual. This I remember. My mom used to open those like Christmas club savings account. Mm hmm. And I remember like if we wanted to go to Disney World or to have a summer vacation or stay at a hotel, she would save from the money my dad gave her. she would save and save and save into those Christmas club accounts or summer accounts. and that's what we would use for our vacation time. We were able to travel to to Disney a couple of times and to Venezuela because my father's family is from Venezuela. Okay. We were there like in, before the 90s. Right. And that's what I remember, my mom saving like crazy. And then there is something funny. My mom, even though she was a homemaker, at some point she used to sew our clothes, our dresses for us, for me and my sister. She would do everything that was related to crafts at some point she took floristeria. Mm -hmm. She would learn how to do all these floral arrangements and she would buy sometimes pascuas, poinsettias, yes, the poinsettia plants. She would go to Ay Bonito and buy those because she would get it like a very discounted price and let's sell it here in San Juan and, you know, make a profit. So I would always watch my mom doing all these little gigs on the side, like to get some extra money for the things we wanted. She would do that. She would sew. Well, she didn't sell the clothes, but she did sell a lot of the floral arrangements. And she would also teach people how to do it. And I remember she would print flyers and then have people come to the house (laughs) in the back of the house and they would sit everybody and have all these ladies learning and doing arrangements all day long. (laughs) So interesting. I love
0: that. So your mom was, was saying, okay, your dad was making whatever amount of money doing well but she saw an opportunity to contribute financially and so she can buy other things maybe for you for herself for the family i love that but i want to go back for a minute to those checks in the back of the car i'm curious had they been deposited and they're just they were i think they were clear checks
1: okay yeah payments that my dad had to do like buying equipment okay (laughs) <laughs> All right,
0: because I'm like, was it just sitting there for a while? And because you said he wasn't organized, and I'm like, it would have been nice for it to be in the bank account. Okay, so that I was like, I guess it could have been deposited. And he just kind of threw that back. <laughs> that is very interesting. I love that. Now, take us. Let's fast forward mm-hmm. to you became an adult and you started working. What did you start working? You've graduated and you started working. What, tell us about your either job
1: or jobs that you had. Well, one of my first professional jobs was at a brokerage firm. I think it doesn't exist anymore here in Puerto Rico. But I used to work for three brokers. And that's where I learned everything about investment, about investment banking. I learned a lot about stocks and mutual funds and retirement plans and also options. One of my bosses used to trade options, which was very dangerous and risky. Mm -hmm. (laughs) But he used to do it all the time. And I remember, you know, watching stocks on the Bloomberg and calling people and people taking uh, loans on the margin from the accounts and a lot of that stuff. So I was there only for a year because, unfortunately, I was very underpaid (laughs) at that Mm -hmm. moment. And I mean, I was earning above the minimum, but still I didn't think it was commensurate with my education, right? Got it. So I learned, I paid a lot of attention to that because I even opened my investment account right there. And actually I remember my boss, sometimes he would, I'm going to do Like this trading and whatever we make, it's going to be yours. We'll do it in your account. And he would do that so I could earn a profit there. After that, I became the marketing coordinator for a different company. So I moved. And when I got my first year working there, it was the time I could sign up for the retirement plan. And it was good that I had that previous experience at the brokerage firm. Because I was able to successfully manage my retirement plan. Like I would go to Morningstar and research (laughs) on all the funds that were offered in the plan. And it was interesting how I would make very assertive or very good choices, right? Uh With the plan that I was never losing money. Probably one there, but in the sum of all the things that I chose, I was always either... It was the same amount that I invested or more, usually more. So I stayed there for a couple of years. I was making now enough money because when I got that job, I negotiated. Good for you. Yes, because what happened to me in the previous job, I learned so much from it. So they even gave me like the range of what my position would pay. And I went above that. <laughs> I said no. That is awesome. Yeah, that's what I learned to do. I was like, the only way I would accept this is if you pay me this. And they did. And I stayed there for for a while. And after like two years, I think, or two years and a half, they even gave me like a whole package of more benefits and a raise because they didn't want to lose me. And when I got that, I was already in the process of buying a home. I was what you called a yuppie. (laughs) 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 This young executive who was earning good money. I could afford to buy an apartment for myself. I didn't even need any co-signers or anything. But I was so young, right? And immature. So even though I was doing everything good up until then, I also started my spending. Also increased. I started going out to restaurants to have dinner and travel and, you know, get all this fancy lifestyle (laughs) that got me in a lot of trouble. I got in debt. I ended up visiting like a credit counseling company Mm -hmm. to get help with that because at some point I was like, oh my God, if I make like the minimum payment for these credit cards, I'm going to be broke, right? So I had to deal with that. And then that was after four years of working in that company, I started feeling the calling that I needed to be doing something else. But it was really early for me. So I quit my job after four years and I started doing some freelancing for about six months. But then I got employed again because I got scared to death <laughs> that I wasn't going to make it. <laughs> I wasn't ready. Now I know I wasn't ready at all. So I I got employed again at a hotel, but I was earning like half of what I was making at this company. So my economic problems began from there. I couldn't stay in that hotel for too long. So I started looking for opportunities to move up the ladder and uh, i got to a different company where i started making a lot more money but still my economic situation was so bad that i remember i used to have one of those brand new toyota camrys mm-hmm. and i had to return it and it was very painful at the moment but it was such a relief also <laughs> that I, I, I didn't imagine have- to make that payment anymore. And at that moment, I was lucky enough that my parents had three cars because one was my sisters who moved to the US, to Seattle, to live to Seattle. And the car was there doing nothing. And I started using that car and I didn't have to pay anything because it was already paid off. So that's how I started like solving the situation and I kept on moving with everything I learned. I kept on negotiating my salary and I moved to a different hotel where I got a management position and now I was again making good money. So I was able to pay off all of my debt. Nice. And in 2010, once again, I quit my job because I knew that It was the time for me to be doing something different. And I remember that I left my job, I think, in February. And I think in March, I submitted the last payment for the credit counseling company that I hired previous years before. Mm -hmm. And I started doing some marketing consulting And some sales on the side. I wasn't really sure what my business was about, but I started doing whatever I could because I still needed to finish one more thing to complete my master's degree. So while I was doing that, I was just, you know, like freelancing here and there and making money, but I was making very, very little money. And once I graduated, I completed my thesis, I talked to someone. She was a public relations consultant who had a small boutique firm, but she had like very big and nice clients. So I talked to her about working with her and she said, you know what, you're coming in a good moment because right now I have so much work that I think I could use some help and some help turned out to be that she handed me like five accounts (laughs) Hmm. And even though I was freelancing for her, it was almost like a full-time job that I got to keep for the next like four years. And I was able to got certified as a coach while I was doing that. And I was able to put a lot of things together. And in 2015, The economy here locally in Puerto Rico was so bad that she called me. And this was a very significant moment because at that moment I had just invested in a coach. (laughs) I made a significant investment right that moment for a coach to learn how to attract my most ideal clients. Mm -hmm. and. I knew it was time for me to play bigger and to do more than just working for this one client, right? So I had made that payment and then like 10 minutes later, she lets me go. But at that moment, I didn't feel fear because I knew that it was time for me to move for bigger things. And I knew it was kind of the universe, (laughs) telling Mm -hmm. me that you're ready to do this and you don't have to be afraid. And it was like removing the safety net from under my feet. Right. Wow. Yeah, I was like, it's time to do this. And don't ask me how, but in less than an hour, I had a website that I made myself about me teaching LinkedIn (laughs) to people and I started getting all these calls of people interested in me, like offering seminars and trainings on LinkedIn and helping people like optimize their profiles. I started getting a lot of business on my own and other consulting firms interested in my work now as a coach that I started earning like three times or four times what I was making in the other firm in with the public relations love it before we jump into today's content keep
0: your ears peeled for a unique reveal I'll be sharing midway through the show it's something special just for you love it what a journey and it continues to evolve and grow it does it does oh my goodness that is amazing yes Before we continue, I have a quick message for you. Herdineto Matters is supported by First Republic Bank. Ask yourself this, does your bank really know you? It's time to discover the difference personalized banking can make by switching to First Republic Bank. From day one, you'll be connected with a dedicated banker who will serve as your primary point of contact throughout your relationship with the bank. They'll know you by name and will be by your side to help serve you and your goals. Your dedicated First Republic banker can design solutions that support both your personal and business needs at any stage, from finding the right loan to refinancing debt to buying a home. And you can always call and message your dedicated banker directly from their mobile app for anything that comes up along the way. Learn more today at firstrepublic.com. That's firstrepublic.com. Member FDIC, equal housing lender. Wow. So you've had the corporate jobs, you've had the itch of entrepreneurship, you've tried it, it wasn't the right timing for you. You went back to work Got the itch again, and then you were working, but it was like a one client that fulfilled pretty much brought in all the money. Yes, and then the signs were there. You were like, go, and you're like, okay, it's time for me to go on your own, and it's just been ever since just growing and evolving. i I love that. I think thanks for sharing. So I wanted to talk to because you are living in Puerto Rico mm-hmm. And back in September two thousand and seventeen, Puerto Rico in the area also experienced the Hurricane Maria, which had really a significant impact. I mean, just, I can't even, just the pictures and just mis amigas que vivían, algunas se mudaron, some have moved to the States. But just the impact, overall impact, and it's 2020 when we're recording this. Tell us about how were you particularly impacted
1: and how did you adjust? I was helping a couple of friends they were out of town they were traveling and they would always ask me to take care of their three little dogs <laughs> mm-hmm. and i was doing that in their apartment and they always pay me it's not a lot but it's just you know like enough to cover for the for me having to move all the way into their apartment to take care of the of the doggies <laughs> so i was doing that and They returned like one day earlier than they were supposed to. So I could finally take care of everything else of my family, my apartment. My apartment had some serious damages. So I had to move to my parents' home at that moment. Mm -hmm. And it was a good decision because in my apartment, it would have been really, really uncomfortable to leave During six or seven months without power and without the water, like, because I used to live in a third floor, uh, walk up, you know, no elevator whatsoever. (laughs) And it would have been really, really uncomfortable. So I moved to my parents' house and I think I was in shock, like, for two weeks. Everything was so difficult. I mean, it's like everything is normal today and tomorrow everything is destroyed. I mean, nothing works. You have to drive somewhere apart to get a little bit of signal in your phone. And my fight or flight responses were, you know, kicking in. (laughs) I just wanted to go to leave the island just like everybody else. Mm -hmm. But I did something that I always like to commend because I tried to do something that would help me organize my thoughts. And I started reading a book that I found at my parents' house about chess. And I'm not like a chess fan or anything, but I started reading and I started playing chess by myself. And that helped me like put my ideas in order and start being more strategic about my next steps and make peace that it wasn't time for me to leave the island because I was already in the middle of many commitments. So after two weeks, one day I said, I need to get back to business. So I took a shower and I dressed up and I got in the car and I said, I need to find a place where I can start working again. I started driving and started making calls outside wherever I could find a signal. And I ended up in one of the consulting firms that had already hired me. And they said, whatever you need, you you just can come here. They had electrical plant and you can do your work from here. But it was a little bit uncomfortable. And then the next day, another friend of mine who is a realtor and has like an office very close to my house, she said, no, you come here. I'm going to be working from one to five because in the mornings we used to have to go to the supermarkets or to the gas stations or resolve any of those things. And she would open her office at one, turn on the plant, and we would work until five. And once I took that decision, you know, that I needed to go back, I started again receiving calls from people. I thought that nobody would need me at that moment, that the needs have been changed, but the reality was that many of the people that left the island or many of the people that found themselves unemployed, they would look for me to help them with their resumes and the LinkedIn profiles and all of that. And I started getting a lot of work <laughs> during those days. And in those four hours that I had, because we could work until we had the sunlight. But after the sunset. I mean, it was impossible. It was too dark. Right. So I had to come back home. And at that moment, I also understood that I needed to have like an alternate income stream that didn't depend on me being able to exchange my time for money. And that also didn't depend on me having power or internet. So I'd already joined a friend of mine who had this uh, business for wellness products. And at that moment, I say, I'm going to work this with you during these days. So I started doing that on side and I started earning checks and money from Mm -hmm. that business. Besides what I was doing with the people from one to five. And I made a lot more money than I expected during those days, that I was able to finally, my parents left in November to Florida. They went to visit some relatives, and I was really relieved (laughs) that they were out of the island because things were very difficult here. But I was doing good. I was working. I was also taking care of a lot of the Toastmasters clubs locally. I don't know if you know Toastmasters. Absolutely. At that moment, I was the division director, so I was responsible for all the clubs in Puerto Rico and also in the Dominican Republic. Interesting, a huge responsibility in my hands, and these people like needed someone to stand for them. Wow! Because many clubs lost their meeting sites due to the hurricane, and. Many were about to disappear because the members just left or weren't in conditions to meet again. So I started like reactivating all of these clubs one by one, traveling to the islands. I was like the only one with the flexibility mm. to be able to to drive during the day or whatever time, you know, we said it. I was able to do that and I was able to... To finish my year as a division director with all the clubs, we didn't lose any clubs that year, even though it was so crazy. I was able to find new meeting places and all of that. So in December, I was able to meet my family in Florida and stay there like for a whole month. (laughs) <laughs> Without doing anything, just because I worked so hard during those days and my alternate income stream. And I, so I was set until I could come back in January. And then that's when my family decided to move permanently to Florida. And I decided to stay with the house. <laughs> Good for you. Wow. So
0: you, from what I'm hearing you say is that Hurricane Maria happened and definitely a devastating time, a very uh, trying times for Puerto Rico. But you were sounds like you were very proactive and very intentional and using what you had to move forward and helping others because you know, with what you were doing with Toastmasters, it gave people and I can't even imagine all the possibilities of how they were affected, but it gave people a, something else to do to look mm-hmm. forward to because maybe they were living at home with no electricity or those type of things. So I think that type of work is so impactful. Mm-hmm. And I'm curious to see like from, I mean, we we have an idea of your perspective and how you were impacted and what, what you did, which is phenomenal. From those around you, what were some, Unforeseen, maybe financial challenges? Was it not having enough savings in the savings account? What other things? I mean, of course, losing homes, mm-hmm. but what were some things that were maybe
1: surprising to people? Well, many people had to take, you know, how banks started giving some, like three months that you don't have to make a payment to your mortgage until things, you know, get back on track and many people took advantage of those offers i didn't mm-hmm. i stayed paying my house month after month but many people did and i think many people didn't read like the fine print on that right and then they didn't know like they would have to now pay like everything in one lump sum mm. i saw people fighting over To the possibility of losing their properties because of that. Properties that were perfectly fine. It was just that the fine print. So, I mean, when these things happen, people read the fine print, please. Yes. it's, It's so important because yes, the banks are there to help,
0: but they're also in the end there to make money. They're looking to help, but also to
1: protect them. Their bottom line as well. I've seen people that Also, they depended a lot on the internet, like with full online businesses. And the ones that moved outside to the U.S., they could go on. But the ones that stayed here, they lost all that because it wasn't possible to continue sustaining a business like that. So a lot of people lost their businesses and had to go back to work to a job they don't like there were so many, many changes. A lot of people that lost their jobs. It was a very critical time. The chess anecdote, and it, it doesn't have to be chess. It could have been anything. It could have been probably said mosaicos uh-huh. or painting mandalas or doing something with your brain. But th- I think that was so important because I remember talking to people by the end of October or November, and they were still in shock.
0: I can imagine. The same
1: shock that I had for the first two weeks, but I was able to get over it because I decided proactively to work with my brain, right? With my Mm -hmm. thoughts and everything, but many people stayed there and they didn't know what to do. And I also remember many people joined FEMA. Mm Mm-hmm for temporary jobs but they were like killing themselves i mean mm-hmm. they were working 12 and 16 hours shifts every day with no day off it was crazy mm-hmm. i mean i was looking at that and i'm like no way i'm not doing that i mean i'm sorry i, I don't mean to seem ungrateful or anything but the quality of life People working so, so much just to make a living after that experience. It was very hard to watch that.
0: I can imagine. Now, it has almost been three years at the time that we're recording this. Mm -hmm. I'm sure there's still ways to go, but how are things now? in comparison to maybe a year ago? How are you seeing things going back to normal or a new normal? How are you seeing this? Knowing you're from Puerto Rico, you've been there all your your life. How are you seeing things now?
1: Well, right now, the economy has had a terrible impact. And this morning, I was editing a podcast episode from a client. And... Now in June, we just entered the hurricane season and we were thinking how vulnerable right now this situation that we're in, because three years ago, there was money from the organizations to help out for Mm -hmm. a disaster. We didn't have all the um, schools that we use as uh, shelters Mm -hmm. were in good shape. But not after the earthquakes that happened early this year. We lost many schools and buildings that are inhabitable. Son inhabitables. Mm. And also the global economy has had a significant contraction. So Mm -hmm. if anything happens, espero que no. I hope it doesn't. But we are in a very vulnerable situation I've been fortunate enough to have this vision and being able to always have clients and a workload that allows me to keep on going. And a good thing is that in Puerto Rico, we had a lot more help than people probably in the U.S., like while people got like the $1,200 from the government. Mm-hmm. In here, the local government also gave us some funds for people Mm. that, like me, solopreneurs or small businesses and all of that. But the people who are employed, they only got, I think, the the $1,200 and I don't know what else. So we get other helps, which has been a relief, Mm -hmm. but I don't know how people do it, but... I drive around like the shopping malls and they're always full. I don't know how they do it. (laughs) (laughs) They're always full of cars, full of people. Right. Oh my goodness. It's crazy. That's why I think I've been very, Mm -hmm. very proactive in teaching people to always, even if you have a perfectly good full-time job, to always have a backup. Right. Because you can't depend on that forever because you never know what's going to happen.
0: You are absolutely right. You never know. Oh, my goodness. I appreciate everything that you share, Marielle. You've had such a fascinating story. Your journey has been phenomenal. And I love your intentionality in life and what you're doing for your community. Yes, you're building a business, but it seems like you're building a business with this intention to really help people, especially with what you're doing of, of teaching and making sure that they have a backup plan. I love that and I applaud you. So thank you so much for being here for sharing your journey, your story, and an update on what's going on in Puerto Rico because I don't watch a lot of media to begin with, but mm-hmm. it just all of a sudden the coverage seems to have died. But we know that Puerto Rico is still restructuring or building up, no? Mm -hmm. Uh, So I
1: appreciate you and and thank you so much for being here. Thank you for the invitation. It's been a pleasure. And I hope that people had found value in everything that I've shared. I'm sure they do.
0: I loved this conversation with Marielle. I have had the pleasure of getting to know her over the past year at the time of this recording. So it's basically as the pandemic began, because we had already met, but we started to get to know each other at a conference which happened in March of last year or March of 2020. And she's also part of a mastermind group, which I'm in, which has really been an integral part of my life over the past year, since we've been in this mastermind. And in January of this year, in January of 2021, she became our podcast editor, which I'm so pumped. And of course, as you learned in this conversation, she's not just a podcast editor. She, you probably didn't even learn she was a podcast editor till now. Her talent goes well beyond podcast editing. So I want you to connect with her go to her website, which is in the show notes, but it's marielisilbet.net. And that is with two T's. And again, the link will be in today's show notes, connect with her on social, she's really a fantastic person. And she's super extremely helpful. Now, a big part of Marieli's story is resilience and drive. You heard that, right? There's a lot of resilience. There's a lot of drive. She has accomplished a lot. And resilience and drive, this is a part of what makes us financially strong, which is why I would love for you to join us if you haven't already registered at Financially Strong Latina. It is absolutely free and I think you will be blown away with what we're bringing to you. It doesn't cost you anything. The tickets are free. See, completamente gratis. All thanks to the support from AARP. You can get all the details and register at financiallystronglatina.com. Also, can I ask you just a quick favor? After you register, go to Facebook. On that search bar in Facebook search Financially Strong Latina. That will take you to the Facebook event page. Then I'd like you to select going. Well, this will do, it will do two things. It will, one, notify your Facebook friends, and then they're gonna see that you're going to Financially Strong Latina, and they're also going to, most likely, <laughs> depending on your friends, they're going to be saying, Financially Strong Latina, this is me too. I am going to this event. But what it also does at the same time, it just it gives, it's a way to give more visibility for the event just because it's notifying your friends. And if they go, right, if they select like going, it's going to notify their friends. And it really will help us reach our goals. So if you could do that, I would be eternally grateful. Of course, we also appreciate that you share, 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 and share some more. We want to reach as many Latinas as possible. Next week, we will be meeting with Abigail Zapote, who has done some amazing work. When I talk about amazing work for our Latinx community, our Latino community, and her story will absolutely blow you away. So don't miss it. That is it. Eso es todo. I appreciate you taking taking time out of your busy schedule to hang out with us, be sure to check out our show notes over at jenhempillcom forward slash 256 so you can connect with Marielle, just review the show notes and everything that we talked about today. Remember that being the reina of your money Start simply by claiming it. That's all you have to do. And I believe in you. I've got you. And you should believe in you too. If you love this podcast, love this episode, I would love it if you share it with someone you care about. You never know what exactly that person is going through. And the simple act of sharing can change the direction of their financial life for the better. You just never know. Bueno pues, that is everything y nos hablaremos el próximo jueves. Chao.